Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We are with Brad Meltzer, who along with his illustrator, Chris Eliopoulos, has uh, put together a series of books. Can you tell us about them, sir? Yes, sir, and thanks for having me on. Um, this series started because I was, with, when I had my own kids, was tired of them looking at reality TV show stars and people who are famous for being famous and thinking that that's a hero. Who were they liking just, before you did these books? Who did they watch? Uh, let's say, uh, my daughter was all about... Uh, princesses in pink and any whoever was famous on Instagram at that moment um, or YouTube stars. My son loved sports athletes. I won't name them, but you know, the ones that I'm talking about that are, you know, just loud mouth and, and, uh, and care more about how much they're being paid than helping people. And I just thought I can give them better heroes than that. Um, I wanted to give them lessons of compassion and kindness and, and really lessons of character but here was the problem is I, I told my daughter about Amelia Earhart. I said, I'm going to teach her. I said, Amelia Earhart flew across the Atlantic Ocean. And my daughter said to me, big deal, Dad. Everyone flies across the Atlantic Ocean today. She was not impressed at all. But then I told my daughter this true story about Amelia Earhart. When Amelia Earhart was seven years old, she built a homemade roller coaster in her backyard. And she took a wooden crate, she put roller skating wheels on the bottom. She shoved it up to the roof of her tool shed gets on top of the crate, comes flying down pieces of wood, goes flying through the air. And that was the first moment Amelia Earhart ever flew. She was seven years old. She later said that that feeling of her stomach bottoming out from under her, she wanted that feeling back again. And when I told my daughter that story, she said, Dad, tell me another like that. This seems weird to me. Why would that one resonate? And I I don't know. It's a a world of um, iPhones and stuff. A lot of times stories about boxes and crates don't uh, old school stuff that we think they would like they don't like that's true except this is a roller coaster oh, all right. making your own roller coaster is awesome right i okay. mean it doesn't matter how you make it or what do you what do you if you build it out of you know metal old wheels or new ones you built your own homemade roller coaster oh, okay. in your backyard and to every kid that is magic even to me today and and Basically, that was the secret sauce, is realizing that our, my daughter loved hearing when Amelia Earhart was just like her. And that's what we started to do, is we started with two books. We did I Am Amelia Earhart and I Am Abraham Lincoln. We did I Am Rosa Parks and Albert Einstein. My son, who loves sports, I said, here's a real sports hero. I did I Am Jackie Robinson for him. And I did I Am Lucille Ball because I wanted my daughter to have a female entertainment hero who wasn't just famous for being thin and pretty. That Lucy stood for the idea, it's not just okay to be different, but it's spectacular to be different. Being different is the best part of who we are. And, and we did I Am Helen Keller. We put, you know, we, when she goes blind, the pages of the book go black. When, we, when she learns to read Braille, we put real Braille into the book. And I watched my 17-year-old son, who's too old. You know, these, these books are, are kids' books. They're for kids, you know, from people buy them when their babies are born. But, you know, 10 years old. They're kids, illustrated kids' books. My 17-year-old was reading it. With his eyes closed, feeling the braille in the book, it says, you know, this is my name. My name's Helen. Feel the dots. What's your name? 
and he feels a real braille alphabet looking for his name. And he turns to me and says, Dad, this one's actually good. I'm like, actually, what's wrong with the others? But what something amazing happened with the series, with the IM series, when the election of 2016 was approaching. As Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump were arguing every night on television, two of our books in the series started selling more than any others. And they were I Am Martin Luther King Jr. and I Am George Washington. And it wasn't even a Democrat or Republican thing. It was a parents and grandparents on both sides were tired of turning on the TV and seeing politicians. And what they wanted to show their kids were leaders. And we all know there's a huge difference between a politician and a leader. And I love the fact that since that time, you know, we've done Jane Goodall, we've done Gandhi to teach peace, we've done George Washington, as I said, um, but people use our I Am books to fight back and give their kids uh, and their grandkids and their nieces and nephews, they help build a library for them to look up to, real heroes to look up to. Is there a common thread that runs through the books? I, mean, I know there is, but it's tough for me to put a, a, a name on it. Is it that they're heroes? Because they can't all be you heroes. Know, I mean, Lucille it, Ball it, wasn't it, really a hero. hero, right? Uh, and, and, and it's a really good question because it took me a while to figure it out. And after writing, you know, we have 19 books in the series now. And the one thing that I've realized is that one of the things that all these heroes have in common is it's not fame. Being you know, I tell my kids all the time, being famous doesn't make you a hero. But what they all have in common, the one theme is, one, they're all doing what they love. Um, but the most important thing is you got to help someone. That's what it means to be a hero. you got to help someone. And you may do it by inspiring them, right? Amelia Hart doesn't care about any of us. She's going to fly her plane faster and higher than anyone else. But she inspires us. Some people, like Mother Teresa, get down into the gutter on their hands and knees and go help someone, uh, you know, right there. But whatever the case is, you got to help someone. And, and that's what I want my kids to learn is, is that lesson of character that's gone. You know, one of the things we did is I always picked the, the next hero by looking at the lessons I want my kids to want, you know, to have themselves. And we did I Am Neil Armstrong. And Neil Armstrong, when he was a little boy, used to climb this tree in his backyard. And he loved climbing this tree. 11 years old, he climbed this tree. And one day he's climbing the tree. And when you climb a tree, we all know, right? It's like you got you to gotta grab this branch with one arm, then you got to shimmy up with the other and put your foot over on this knot and get yourself up. you got to engineer a solution. you got to figure it out. And he grabs a dead branch as he's climbing one day. The branch breaks, and he falls to the ground. And he does the most important thing in that moment. He gets the wind knocked out of him. He's, you know, his mother comes running, his sister comes running. But the most important thing he does is he gets back up again. And what I love about Neil Armstrong is he then goes on to, of course, he's, he starts, he loves uh, model airplanes, starts building them, collecting them. He gets his pilot's license before he gets his driver's license. That's how young he was. He becomes, of course, a test pilot. He becomes, of course, an astronaut. But the reason he gets to take that giant leap for all mankind, he doesn't get to take it until he takes all those hundreds of small steps before it. And I want my kids to know about hard work. And the most important lesson from Neil Armstrong is that a lesson of humility, right? Neil Armstrong never used the word I. He used to use the word we. We did this. We accomplished it. And he wasn't just talking about his fellow scientists or his fellow astronauts. He meant even the tailors and the mathematicians that put his spacesuit together. And remember when humility was a great American value? We've lost that. Right. And we need it back again. I noticed that you crank out about four a year. You started in 2014, right? And then about four a year? Uh, we do three a year. Yeah, we do two in September, and then we do one uh, usually somewhere between January and March. How did you hook up with Chris Eliopoulos, the, your, your uh, illustrator? 
Yeah, Chris Eliopoulos uh, is a cartoonist who is our secret weapon, and I'll be the first one to say it. I, you know, I want my kids off their phones. I want them off their screens. But the only way you're ever going to be able to do that is you got to give them something better to look at. And Chris Eliopoulos worked on Spider-Man and worked on the Avengers and worked for Marvel Comics. And any cartoonist, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to do cute. It's easy to even do funny. The really difficult thing to do is to do heart. And what Chris does is he shows heart. Now, if we're going to make people, and we want kids to fall in love with Amelia Earhart and Abraham Lincoln and Jane Goodall and everyone else, we got to show heart. And what Chris does is he has this magic art style. It's like a combination of Charlie Brown meets Calvin and Hobbes. And that's why kids fall in love with this. That's why kids want to read these books. You know, and, and this past Halloween, like every Halloween before, since the books have come out, we just, if you see, you go to my Twitter page or Instagram, you'll see just dozens of kids dressed up um, over the years and letters that say, dear Brad, the best one said, this is the first year my daughter didn't go as a princess for Halloween. Thanks to your book, she's going as Amelia Earhart. And that is all Chris. Is the, the, these kids see these heroes in a new light. And, and the key, as you see on the book covers, is we always draw the hero as a kid. So it's Amelia Earhart when she's, you know, seven years old. Yep. It's Abraham Lincoln when he's seven years old, but with a little beard and with a big giant soap pipe hat. Um, but it's so it's so that kids can see in the art that these heroes are just like them. These aren't the stories of famous people. This is what we're all capable of on our very best days. What are the ages these are designed for? You know, we have people who buy them. We, we do baby versions of them and little hardback versions of them. But, you know, our sweet spot is basically around five to ten years old, four to ten years old. Um, but again, I have 12 year olds who read them. My 17 year old reads them and I have adults. I've sold more. I am Lucille Ball books to adults and I think than even kids because the lessons are lessons we all need today. You know, we're, we're a society right now that's just we're anxious. Our kids are anxious. Um, whatever side of politics you're on, the other side makes you anxious. We're just an anxious society and we all need these messages um, and that realization. You know, anyone you look up to, whether it's Rosa Parks or Dr. King or Abraham Lincoln, they all have moments where they were scared and they were terrified and they didn't think they could go on. But every single one of them did. And we all need that reminder. We, we make a huge mistake today where we take our heroes, we build these giant statues of them, and we worship at their feet. And we do them a huge disservice because, as I said, all of them have moments where they were scared and terrified and they were human. And we have to remember that they're just like us. These aren't the stories of famous people. Again, this is what we're all capable of on our best days. And what is, if someone wanted to search for these books, what would you look under besides your name, Brad Meltzer? Yeah, if you put Brad Meltzer in, but just put in I am. Put in, I, you know, you can look up Ordinary People Change the World because that's what the series is listed as. But okay. yeah, if you put in I am Abraham Lincoln or I am Walt Disney or I am Amelia Earhart, we will come right up, uh, the I am book series, and you'll find them. And, and what I think I appreciate more than anything is how many people buy stacks of them and they donate them to their church or to their synagogue. They donate them to their kids' schools or to libraries because they want kids out there to see these messages of kindness and of compassion and of character. Are you surprised by the success? I'm completely shocked by the success. I, you know, this came from a very selfish place. I just wanted this for my kids. And the one thing I've realized after all these years of doing this is I know one thing. I'm not that special. Right. If there are parents out there and grand, if, if I'm if I'm here wanting this for my kids, that means there are grandparents and parents out there who want it for their kids. And I think I, I was shocked by how much 
the series took off. Because right now, they they told me recently that we no one is educating more kids of this age um, about history and about these heroes than we are. And I never thought that would be the case. We could have never anticipated where the cu- culture went in the past couple years. We started this series six years ago. Um, it's just that we kind of at a time where as a culture, we're starving for heroes. We're starving for them. And we just happen to be the people in the right place at the right time. I see here, I am Martin Luther King Jr. And I just wanted to note that in the news today, I noticed that in Missouri, there's a town that has a street that was MLK. I saw that. Street, they took down they, the sign. And they took it down. Uh, unbelievable. I actually looked it up first thing this morning because I was just aghast by it. I was like, how do you do that? It's Dr. King. Apparently, and the only thing that kept me a little sane this morning when I saw that is it was apparently a historical seat and they want to move the street elsewhere so that both histories get, you know. But listen, we're in a, we're in a culture war right now, right? I mean, you're watching people tear down and put things and argue over it. But what we have to do um, is we can't let our kids lose the reality of these stories. Um, we're, we spend so much time fighting and venting on the Internet that we forget what we're even fighting about. We forget, what, you know, but there are things we agree on. There are, you know, despite what the news makes us think or despite what, you know, whatever you watch, whether you're on Fox News, you're on CNN, whatever side you, you love, um, there are things we agree on. And what I love about these books is I've gone onto my friends at NPR and talk about these books, and I can go right to Fox News and talk about these books. You know, we, we are a, cult, a culture that needs those things. I mean, and one of the things that was very important to me, you know, we're launching on, on Monday a TV series uh, based on the books on PBS Kids. And so, you know, it is called Xavier Riddle in the Secret Museum. And PBS came to me five years ago and said, how do we take this book series and turn it into a, a TV show so more kids can get it? And, you know, the reason that they wanted it is not because of the history lesson, but because of the values. On the back of every single book is a value. On the back of I Am Amelia Earhart, it says, I know no bounds. On the back of I Am Abraham Lincoln, it says, I will speak my mind and speak for others. On the back of I Am Walt Disney, it says, I know that the person who makes dreams come true is you. And to me, what I love is that we're getting to take this with Xavier Riddle and bring those lessons to kids. So on the on the on each episode, Xavier, his sister, and their best friend, Brad, who is the most handsome cartoon character you've ever seen, uh, they basically have a problem, uh, like they're being bullied. They go back in time, and they meet Rosa Parks. Rosa Parks teaches them how to deal with the bully. They come back to the present, and they use that lesson. And I can tell you that 50, uh, we debut 50 years in one day after Sesame Street premiered, and that is on Monday, uh, this Monday. And it's meaningful to me because when I was five years old, watching Sesame Street and Mr. Rogers – taught me that you could use your creativity to put good into this world. And that's all we're trying to do here today is use our own creativity to put some good into the world. I have just fun questions that things pop up when I look at the folks you, you choose, but first to clarify on the Xavier series, the, the Xavier character is a, a vehicle for you to go back and visit each of the characters in the book books. Yeah. So okay. they go back, they literally go, uh, like Amelia Earhart was our first book. They go, one of the first episodes you'll see on Monday is uh, they go back in time. They meet Amelia Earhart, and Amelia Earhart teaches them how to go for it. Hey, you got to be daring. Okay. And they come back and they use that lesson. So Xavier is just the the imaginary character, but they always go back and meet a real person, and and it's always a real story. We don't make them up. They're, it's a true story. What's the lesson taught by Lucille Ball? Uh, Lucille Ball, uh, one of her great messages is that you can use humor to take on anything. Uh, 
Lucille Ball had a grandmother who was just a misery. Uh, she didn't hang mirrors in her house because she thought they led to vanity. She didn't want Lucy to go outside and play with the other kids. Um, but Lucy used to use uh, the, the windows when she would ride the bus to make funny faces. She'd use her reflection there because there were no mirrors in the house to learn how to make funny faces and learn even as a kid that you could use your humor to take on anything. And it's the same lesson she does every single episode of I Love Lucy is she uses that sense of humor to take on whatever the problem will be. And I need my kids to realize that too. I want that lesson for my daughter. I want that lesson for my sons is, you know, sometimes you do have to just laugh and, and listen, we all need that lesson. Okay. There's another, there are other books called I am caring. I am brave, not I am a person, right? Yeah. So those, the ones that say I'm caring, I'm unstoppable. Those are baby books. So the, we got so much demand. We have, we have parents who said that my, you know, I want to buy these for a baby um, can you make board books? Because my baby is drooling all over the pages and, and they're tearing the pages. So the I am caring and I am brave and I am unstoppable are little rhyming board books because people wanted to do the baby version. So now we cover you for babies. We got you when you wanted, when the kids get older, you do the I am series. Uh, and then hopefully you can watch the Xavier Riddle. And, you know, after that, uh, you're, you're, I'm not responsible for your children anymore. Right. So initially <laughs> when, when I had you on, I wanted to learn because I saw promoted I am Walt Disney and I am Marie, Madame Curie. Is, is it okay if I ask you some questions about them so we can get to know them a little bit? I would love to. All right. Uh, I will start. We'll only have two minutes, and then we'll take a break and continue. But let's start with Walt Disney. And by the way, what's Walt Disney's message? So Walt Disney, you know, is uh, I believe that, the, the, you know, the power of making dreams come true is, is within you. And Walt Disney is one of the great American success stories. But the reason I love him is that Walt Disney, when he was a kid, his father didn't even like the fact that he could draw. It was his aunt who used to encourage him. When he starts his first company, his first animation company, it's a total failure. They tell him he's going to have to declare bankruptcy. He's sleeping in his office. He's taking baths once a week in the local train station. And I want my kids to know that when you chase a big dream, you may fail. But if you get back up again, that's how you fly. And that's what the message of I Am Walt Disney is, is giving kids that message that, you know, it's not so simple. It's not so easy. You've got to get back up again and get back up again. And, and over and over in his life, um, you'll see so much failure that we don't even ever talk about because we're so focused on, on the magical mouse. Uh, in 30 seconds, do you notice a difference in your kids that, now that they've been involved with the, your messages in the books? You know, my kids are never impressed with what I do. That, that's the funny part, right? Like, I was never impressed with my parents. But I did watch my son. Um, I watched my son one day say that he needed to be like Dr. King and do the right thing. There you go. And that that moment was worth everything to uh, me. One thing to note: there aren't many modern heroes in the series. Are there any modern heroes at all? Yeah, listen. I think we've done a couple modern ones, but uh, you know, we've done uh, Jane Goodall still alive. Billie Jean King helped us with the book. Um, and Sonia Sotomayor we've done as well, our first Latina hero that we did. And, it, you know, listen, if I mess up George Washington, what's he going to do? But you mess up Jane Goodall, she's coming to your house with chimpanzees. Right. I mean, I spent two hours on the phone with Billie Jean King when we did the Billie Jean King book, right? I'm writing a book called I Am Billie Jean King, and then I'm calling Billie Jean King so she can tell me that I am Billie Jean King, what's right or wrong in it. And she went through every panel of art, you know, in this little kid's cartoon book, 
she told me even my sneakers were this color and they weren't blue in this match. They were white in this match. They were white in this match, not blue in this match. And at one point she said, you know, in this scene, you got to draw the background differently. I was in a different place when I found out the news of such and such. And I said to her, you know, I don't mean to be rude, but I got that from your autobiography. And she said, yeah, but I was so busy back then. I never proofed my autobiography. So I love that. I am Billie Jean King. Our kids book is now more accurate than Billie Jean King's own biography. That, to me, was one of the great days of doing this. So if kids, other than the kids that read your book, uh, their heroes are the Kardashians, do you feel that we will have fewer heroes in the future? Is that is that a concern? Listen, I think, I think that you're, whether you like it or not, your kids and grandkids are going to pick heroes. But you might as well have some say in it, right? you got to show them. I mean, one of my favorite things, I Am Walt Disney is right now one of our top-selling books. It just came out, but it just shot up like crazy. And I think one of the reasons is not because we sit there and, and say how great everything is and how perfect everything is. We show the reality. When, when he invented his famous, most famous character, he said, I have an idea for a new character. It's going to be a mouse. We're going to call him Mortimer Mouse. And his wife said, Mortimer Mouse, that's a horrible name. That's literally what she said. It's a horrible name. And she said, why don't you call him, I don't know, Mickey. And that's how the world gets Mickey Mouse. It's not easy. In fact, the first Mickey cartoon doesn't even sell. But again, Walt Disney knows that no matter what, you've got to keep pushing and pushing and pushing your dream. It is the only way to achieve it. Yeah, my question and is, I love, though, I love that. My question is, other than the kids that read your book, the kids that are so many people have people for heroes who are merely famous to be famous these days. Do you fear there will be fewer heroes in the future? Oh, uh, no, I think they'll have the wrong heroes. That's what I think will happen. Or, I mean, you know, people. I should say fewer leader. I should say fewer leaders are great people. Yeah, no, they'll yes. If we keep letting our, you know, what there was a Harvard study that was done a couple of years back, and it said that when we were kids, what our parents really put into our brains was the idea that being smart was important. That was a commodity, and what we're doing today, whether we like it or not, with social media, is we're teaching our kids that what's important is to be popular. And when you go on Facebook and you click the like button and you see how many followers you have and you see how many people liked your post, that what your kids are seeing is that popularity is what is important. And that's a disaster. You're absolutely right. We will have less great heroes if we let our kids just vote on popularity to decide what's important. Um, and that's why you have to give them better ones. But, you know, the nice part is you don't have to force feed it to them. You know, when you read the I Am series, and the reason it's taken off is because other parents agree that we, we're, you know, kind of redoing people's values. I mean, we do things that kids love. So my daughter loves our dog. She loves our dog. So I did I Am Jane Goodall because I wanted my daughter to see what happens when you take something you love and do that. Jane Goodall took her love of animals and changed the way we study science, changed the way we study animals. And my daughter, is, you know, Jane Goodall is one of our, 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 one of our top selling female heroes now. And I think it's because so many kids out there are like, wait, I love our dog. I love our animal. I can do something good with that. That's a good thing now. And, and I think when you open that possibility to a child, they do find a new hero. But, yeah, I, I'm not, you know, listen, there are plenty of ways to do it. Um, this is just my solution. Who do you have on tap to be written about in the future? You have some other heroes lined up to be in your books? Yeah, so the next one, um, and you can, if you go to our website, if you go to bradmelcher.com or ordinarypeoplechangetheworld.com, you can, we just put up the cover so we can finally announce. Um, 
I think this is the first place I'm actually talking about it, is uh, the next hero will be, uh, I am Leonardo da Vinci. Uh, We're doing Leonardo da Vinci. We just got a beautiful blurb from Walter Isaacson, who said the nicest thing about the book, who, of course, wrote the the adult uh, da Vinci biography, but he read our kids' book, I Am Leonardo da Vinci, and it's an amazing book about creativity. Now, you know, he, he there was something about big ideas, and, and I when Leonardo da Vinci was a kid, uh, one of the first things he ever painted was his, his dad came and they got him a commission to paint a, a dragon on a shield. And he wanted to make it so realistic, he took body parts of different animals like butterflies and lizards and tails and, you know, legs and glued them onto the shield to the dragon to be so realistic. And, of course, it made everyone sick. It was disgusting and horrible. But it eventually became a work of art that someone took. And, again, you know, we know him as the most famous artist in the world, but it doesn't always happen easily. And we need to remind our kids that doing something important, you know, being famous is not the end of itself. We're doing it wrong if we're doing it that way. you got to remind our kids uh, what hard work is like, what humility is like. Um, that's the only way to go forward. All right. Let's talk about Walt Disney now and, and learn, get, this, get into sort of a, a biographical mode. Tell me about Walt Disney started out in Chicago. He he was an il- illustrator early on he, in his high school paper, right? He was an illustrator. Yeah, already. well, he started in St. Louis and started in Missouri, and then they eventually moved. And, um, you know, what he loved to do is he was a daydreamer. He was that kid who was the daydreamer. He used to draw on the margins of his notebook and, and do little flip books in the corner. And his teacher would be like, don't daydream. But, you know, I did this book for my son, who's a daydreamer, who's got his head in the sky and who always loves to draw maybe doesn't pay attention the most in class, but my God, is it important to teach your kids to go for whatever that dream is. And one of the great stories I learned about Walt Disney is when he was younger, a little boy, he saw a play called Peter Pan. And soon after that, he played Peter Pan in the school play. His older brother, Roy, ran the ropes to help him fly. And he said that no actor was ever more committed to the role. When he was growing up, his town, it seemed like paradise. He had this, you know, he came from a small town in Missouri where, you had a, a train that, you know, literally ran through down the main street and it had this beautiful, you know, neighbor help neighbor and main street was a nice place where you can go shopping. And you and I today see Disney world, but it's in Disneyland. But if you want to know where it comes from, Walt Disney, when he got older and he took his daughters to the local amusement park, to the merry ground they used to love, Walt Disney would look around and say, wait, there's nothing for adults to do here. This is boring. And he said, I'm going to make a new park. He started studying all the amusement parks around the country, started studying Gettysburg and historic sites that people used to go to. He said, I'm going to make a new park. He's going to have a fantasy-type land, a tomorrow-type land of the future, a yesteryear land. Um, and they said, well, what about today? Is it going to be parts from the day? He says, no, nothing from today. <laughs> they'll be from the past. They'll be from the future. They'll be from fantasy. Nothing from today. And, and what we see as Disney World and Disneyland, he was building his old hometown, with its main street, with the train that ran down the center of it, he was building his happy place. And what I am Walt Disney is all about is reminding us as adults and as kids that you got to find your happy place, whatever it is. Okay. Um, and your happy place is, is within you. That's your magic kingdom. So Walt was an artist and a scientist. He actually was responsible for some developments in the production of cartoons, like the... Well, it's something called full three-strip Technicolor. Do you know what that is? I mean, you. you well, do... one of the things, one of the first things he invented, even before Technicolor, and we showed this actually in I Am Walt Disney, is um, he added music 
to cartoons. Uh-huh. He put a, he put the projector outside his office, and he projected on a screen, and he hit a small band behind the door. And for the very first time in history, the cartoon was in sync with the music. And people saw it, and they were like, I've never seen anything like this. It's incredible. And what it really was was historic. And the movie that he showed in it was Steamboat Willie. It changed the future of animation, right? Suddenly, we all know music. You know, you ever watch a movie without the music? It no. falls apart. You put right. the music in there, and you move people. And he invented that. And then he invented the feature-length cartoon. I, I hadn't really thought yeah, about that. Yeah, he, he came in and basically said, I'm going to do his biggest idea was instead of a short, all cartoons back then were shorts. They were all short. He said, you know what? We're going to do a full-length movie. And he actually said um, he acted out the entire scene of the movie. He put storyboards on the wall, and he acted out for, uh, I think, two to three hours every scene. This princess, she escapes, she finds these dwarfs, and it makes everyone laugh, and she acts out all the, he acts out all the dwarfs. And for three hours, he acts out the entire movie, every single part of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And the only question was, would it work? Would anyone watch a full-length cartoon movie for two hours? And of course they did. And yes, then they, they watched did. Pinocchio and Dumbo and Bambi and Cinderella and Peter Pan. And Walt Disney, as we know him, was born. Um, but I saw, again, not I saw easy. Pin- he took the risk. I saw Pinocchio as a kid, and it, it was my first scary movie. It, it freaked me out a little bit. Oh, terrifying. I remember Pinocchio was one of the first. I saw Snow White when they did re-release in the theater, and I saw Pinocchio. And Pinocchio, when he turns into that, and into that kind of donkey boy, it terrified me. So two more things about Walt Disney. Can you talk a little bit about his time in the service? He forged his, the, the, he forged the date on his birth certificate incorrectly so he could get in. He got in the, in the ambulance service yeah, the things, and he yeah, drew cartoons he did, he on to, his ambulance. Yeah, he used to, he used to paint it very good. He used to paint, um, and let's go back a little bit more even. When he was a little kid, he, he one day painted on the side of his house. And, they, you know, they said, oh, you sure this is going to come off? He's like, don't worry. It's going to be fine. It's going to come off. But what he was painting with was tar. It never came off. When his family moved and left St. Louis, his original work of art was still on the side of his house. And then when he, he got older, still didn't learn the lesson. Um, he used to draw everywhere. And he used to draw on the sides of the ambulance, on the back of the ambulance. He would even decorate that. And what people don't realize is him and Dr. Seuss used to also, even during the wartime, did war posters for the war effort um, and trying to show people whether it was raising money for bonds or raising money for the war effort. Uh, it was amazing that he took those talents and he brought them everywhere. It wasn't just the cartoons. Kind of a, the first graffiti artist. Yeah, listen, uh, at least certainly the, the most famous one we know. And finally, there you just have to address these ac- accusations of racism and anti-Semitism. Uh, people that know him say that's not true. But how did that pop? How did that come up? And is there anything to it? Yeah, listen, this is an important one for me. I'm Jewish. Uh, if I thought he was an anti-Semite, I wouldn't do the book. I'll just say it as clearly as I can. And I, I, the first thing I did, you know, the Walt Disney Company was amazing. They gave us full access to their archives. And, and, but I also, of course, you know, you want to go out and, and, and verify things yourself. And went to Neil Gabler, who wrote uh, the preeminent Disney biography, and I, and I contacted him and said, tell me what you found. I need to know before I start this book. And he said, Brad, I've looked at every paper I've read. I'm the only person that's read every single thing he's written, that's read everything in the archives um, that he had, you know, went through. He says, but I don't see it. He's like, everyone that talks about it, you can put it in the Internet, you'll find people that say it. He's like, was he a member of, of organizations that had anti-Semites in them? Yes, because they were anti-communist organizations, and that's, you know, people were fighting, you know, that's what was happening. But were they anti-Semitic organizations? Not a chance. 
Um, and I felt like I looked into it and I have to, you know, look my kids in the eye. And I realized when I studied this man that he had something amazing to offer. And the, and the things that I saw on the internet, as many things on the internet, just did not prove to be true. Um, and, and it came so up I, be, I, and this rumor came to be because he belonged to organizations that were anti-communist and they were Jews. Yeah, and, 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 and listen, it came to me because you had a couple employees also who were mad, but you know, okay. he also had other employees who were Jewish. He had others who weren't. Okay. Um, and, and when you fire someone, you know, you can't make everyone happy. Listen, was he, was he great with unions? Like, did he like unions? No, he didn't like unions. Like if that's your issue, you're going to have an issue. But the one thing I've learned Bradley over the years of doing this is if you're looking for perfect people, if you're looking for the perfect person, you're going to find nobody. You got God. That's perfect, right? The idea of God. Everyone else, we're all flawed. All right. And I get letters from people saying, oh, you did George Washington. You know we owned slaves, Brad. Or you did Abraham Lincoln. You know we, well, he didn't originally come out for slavery as strong as he wanted. No matter who you pick, you're going to find the flaw. And yeah. to me, I think if we wait for perfection, we're going to be holding our breath for a long time. So people give you the old purity tests all the time. Hey, let's take a break and yeah. find out a little bit about Marie Curie. It's WBZ. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We're with Brad Meltzer, who has a series of children's books, but they're very, very detailed, and you can learn a lot by reading them. One is I Am Marie Curie, which is a very recent one. We have a, not much time. Take about four minutes to give teach us as much about Marie Curie as you can. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Marie Curie when she was a little girl, where she was growing up, the Russian government did not want her and would not teach girls science. They thought that science would make them too powerful. And you know what? They were absolutely right. It certainly would. And it was Marie Curie's father who teaches her to keep chasing science. She, he's, a, he's a science teacher and gives her math problems. And she learns, you know, as she hits her teenage years, she decides what she wants to do with her life. She says, I'm going to be a scientist. That's what she wants. But the problem is, is, again, those schools will teach science if you're a girl. She gets all the way to college, still can't find anyone to teach science to young women. What she finds is a place called the Flying University. And it's not a place that physically flies. It metaphorically does because it's a secret university that agrees to teach science to women. And it's there that she learns about the periodic table. And she falls in love even more with science. She goes on to become the first woman to win the Nobel Prize. The Nobel Prize Committee, because she's a woman, doesn't even want her speaking at her own ceremony where she wins. But what I love about the story of Marie Curie, she goes on to win another Nobel Prize, the first woman or man to win two Nobel Prizes in different categories. But what I think that she's a hero for is because throughout her entire life, over and over and over again, people keep telling Marie Curie that she can't do it, she shouldn't do it, no girl should study science, no girl can be a scientist. Over and over, they try to keep her from everything she wants to be, but she never lets it stop her. And as a children's book, that's what I Am Marie Curie is all about, is I want my daughter to have that lesson that whatever that dream is, you chase it, you chase it, you chase it. That is the only way you ever achieve what you want. Remind folks about the upcoming PBS Kids series with Xavier. 
Yeah, so Xavier Riddle and the Secret Museum launches on Monday. We launch, as I said, 50 years and one day after Sesame Street premiered. One of our first episodes is actually I Am Marie Curie. And, um, and in the episode, you see the characters are having a problem. They go back in time. They meet Marie Curie, who teaches them how to deal with failure. You know, Marie Curie used to do experiments. She would fail. They'd explode in her face. She would try again, explode in her face again, try again. Explode in her face again, over and over. But guess what happens? Eventually, she succeeds. And they go back in time. They meet her. Um, and they use that lesson about failure being okay to come back in the present day. So you can read the I Am Marie Curie book. On Monday, you'll be able to see the I Am Marie Curie episode on Xavier Riddle on PBS. Um, and uh, I love the fact that we get to now, in two mediums, teach that same valuable lesson to kids all across the country. How'd you pick the name Xavier? Yeah, you know, I just love the name Xavier, and I love the name Riddle. And the, the last name Riddle ever since, you know, and whether it's Tom Riddle in, in Harry Potter or just, you know, I, I'm a Riddle kid. I used to love it. Um, and we tried all these different names, but it was the only one that everyone kept remembering. Everyone kept saying Xavier Riddle, Xavier Riddle, Xavier Riddle, and they just knew it. And the most important thing when we did the theme song for the TV show, there's a great line in the theme song, and it says, every single boy and girl has what it takes to change the world. And it's just the most important lesson on the show. And, and what I love about the show is in the last minute of every episode, Xavier and his sister, Yadina, and their best friend, Brad, they break the fourth wall. They look straight at the camera and they say about whoever the hero is, you know, whether it's Marie Curie or anyone else, they used to be a kid just like you and me. And kids like you can change the world. And that's how they sign off every show is reminding kids of their own power and I remember when Mr. Rogers used to do that to us, telling us we were special in our own ways and the things that were amazing about us. I wanted to do that for kids. And I love the fact that, you know, I was five years old and got that spark from Sesame Street. It is with Xavier Riddle and with these IM books, there are kids out there who are hearing our stories. And 45 years from now, they're going to be talking to the equivalent of you, Bradley, and the equivalent of me in some futuristic setting. And they're going to be talking about their show or their book. And that, that, project is going to be spectacular i can't wait to see it thanks so much brad thank you sir thanks yeah. for all the support with the i am books yep yeah. take care with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no no nothing like that it's just these cash prizes add up quick so i suggest you sit back keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.